This is the Athletic Hockey Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. This may be the best show we've ever had for a variety of reasons. One, no Craig Cousins. <laughs> Not here. Always positive. Two, our big guest today is a very handsome, very charming St. Louis legend. <laughs> That's right. It's Jeremy Rutherford. Oh, How no, you doing, no, buddy? No, that's not it. That's not it. Oh man! Even I was ready for that joke. Yeah, I was on. ready for that. It was, it no, you had to deliver John Ham. You had to John Ham. Not. <laughs> we got John Ham on the show. Uh, we it started out as a joke, I think, between Craig and I, and then turned into an actual thing because Jeremy's got the Rolodex. He's a close personal friend with John Ham. I think that's it. That's right. You guys are best friends. That is not true. Uh, uh, seen him a few times, <laughs> uh, but we worked it out with uh, Mr. John Ham, and he joined us. What a fun conversation that was, Sean. It was a blast, and uh, somehow I didn't ask him about the town, and I didn't ask him about <laughs> Mad Men. We talked about we talked about the Blues. We talked about St. Louis sports. We talked about. The new Fletch movie, which he's in, and in Fargo season five, which he's shooting in Calgary. Uh, and we talked about some St. Louis area high school football sports stuff. I think that was that was that is like that's going to hit so hard with with the St. Louis crowd. Right. Because everyone loves whenever exactly. whenever we delve into like like local specifics. Like it's that. so provincial. Yeah. And John, as we'll find out later, he went to John Burroughs High School and I went to Lutheran South. And so we were. Uh, in the same league, but John, 51 years old, 47, I'm 47. So uh, we just missed each other in terms of playing varsity football against each other. He would have been jealous because uh, Sean, uh, I see when I left the game, I always left the game and was headed to a party with the cheerleaders. <laughs> I'm sure he had a lot of yeah. trouble, you know, post game. No, John was, John was going home playing Super Nintendo by himself, <laughs> obviously. Nintendo. Uh, the best part, of the start of the talk was that John rolls up in his Ivan Barbashev like special St. Patrick's Day jersey. JR is wearing his wearing his Letterman's jacket. I was like left out of the St. Louis party, so I just had to sit there and act like I knew what you guys were talking about. Sean, he actually he was at a game in Vegas a couple of weeks ago and he's a huge Barbashev fan, which he'll talk about. Uh, but he had two jerseys on. He had the Barbashev underneath, and I think they were trying to promo the retro reverse jersey that I know you love, the blues one, right? The yellow one. But uh, I, I, that wasn't, I, I kind of liked that one. That wasn't me. I think it was Lazarus who was like, who was anti, if I remember right, naturally. So he had the O'Reilly retro reverse on top of the Barbashev jersey just because he was trying to promo one of them for the broadcast. And uh, the two guys who scored the goals in the third period for the blues, Barbashev and O'Reilly. He's always Mr. Good Luck, that John. What a world. What a world. We'll start with the blues. We have you here. We got we have him talking about them at, le at length. We're recording this on Tuesday morning. We talked to John on Sunday afternoon. Uh, things have gotten worse for St. Louis. We talked about and you know, we talked about the about the Bennington Zucker thing and about just the kind of up and down, you know, roller roller coaster of a season they've had so far. Um, what we saw last night was. I don't know if that was, is that meltdown 
territory in the third period for them. The Rangers scored three straight goals in the third to rally uh, for a 6-4 win over the Blues at the Garden. Uh, JR, what what happened there? And maybe just give us like a top-line view of, of the issues that have kind of cropped up for them again over the last little bit. Yeah, Sean, first of all, you know, I'd just like to say up front that, you know, no jokes here, no pot shots, no ripping on mm-hmm. a team that's been down all year. You know, I think no. it's to a point where you have a, a, a really good team on paper that just hasn't gelled. Um, so with that said, I think what we saw last night has kind of been the storyline of the Blues season. And, and so that's not a pot shot. That's just what we've seen a lot of this season. Craig Ruby said it afterwards. He said this team lacks confidence. Interestingly, if you go back to December 2018, when he took over from Mike Yo, that's what he said. He said this team lacks confidence. And he was able to restore that uh, for the Blues. This year, he's been unable to do that. When they lost two, three, four in a row, people asked me about him. I said, hey, they'll be fine. It's early. You know, Craig Bruby has done this before, and he'll get them through it. And then all of a sudden, they lost eight in a row. Then they win seven in a row. Now, if they didn't come back in the third period against Florida with that miraculous uh, comeback, four goals, uh, you know, they're sitting on a a seven-game losing streak right now. So it's just been a difficult season, and it was epitomized last night what you saw there in the third period against the Rangers. I think the last time you and I talked was whenever Doug Armstrong sort of alluded to some potential changes being made. This is, you know, gosh, last month, right. three weeks ago or so. It's hard to see something like last night happen and, and listen to the things that that Baruby has said and just his tone and all that stuff and not wonder if, you know, obviously you're going to, if you're Doug Armstrong, you're going to come off the maybe someone needs to go off this roster talk whenever you're rattling off seven, eight wins in a row. Like that's going to change. But is that mindset, is that is that concept something that we could see from them again? Like, is it possible that they do turn back into, go back into potential evaluation slash sell mode here in, in a little bit? Yeah, I think that he's constantly in evaluation mode. The one thing with Doug Armstrong, I've said this before, is that, uh, you know, he's a really good evaluator of how good his team is, whether it's playing well, not playing well. Uh, in a playoff spot, not in a playoff spot. And so I can, you know, without even talking to him, you know that uh, he, he doesn't like what's going on and the makeup of this team and the way they're responding to things. He has said that Craig Berube is not the problem. He said, you know, forget about dismissing the coach. That's low-hanging fruit. Um, but you look at this roster, Sean, and, and a lot of the players are on long-term deals. Like, with the exception of O'Reilly and Tarasenko, who are both pending UFAs, you know, those are the two guys that could change things, change the face of the team if you were to move them. Uh, but, you know, who's talking about moving high price pending UFAs in early December, right? Right. I mean, that now is kind of the context that you and I talked about them, you know, last we spoke was a, was it was a few weeks ago when we collabed on just kind of trying to assess who's got trade value and, he, and who doesn't when it really did seem like that was you know, not, not too far down the road. And it is, man, there's a lot of money tied up to a lot of players over a long, long time, whether it's, you know, Tory, the Tory Krugs of the world or Brandon's like, there's, there's a lot of guys on long-term deals in moving that in December of, of the regular season. If these guys have three plus years or four plus years on, on, on their deals, that's, that's a tough, that's a tough sell. It's a classic situation. And this is an area where, feel like teams always get in trouble where they like to, and we've seen it with the, with the Vancouver Canucks, the pieces that they like, that they like to change 
are not appealing for other teams, whether it's because of the length of the contract or the number or the player or whatever. And the tradable pieces are the ones that they that, that they don't want to move at all, right? And there, I think there's a lot of analogs between what's happening in what's happening in Vancouver to a lesser scale. Obviously, St. Louis's season isn't a disaster on par with on par with what's going on with the Canucks, but it's the same thing, right? There's players at the top where that that nobody wants to get rid of, but then below that, it's like what are, what actually would be the benefit to, to to moving these guys other than starting a full scale teardown where you just take whatever you can receive in terms of cap space. Right. And I think that's kind of the mushy metal that teams don't want to be in. No. And that's the risk you run when you elect to go the route that the blues have gone and listen, Doug Armstrong's got more hockey knowledge in his pink uh, in his pinky fingernail than I've got. Uh, but what he decided to do was keep as many of these good to, to, you don't say superstar, but good players uh, in the fold and to keep them under the cap, you've got to lower that AAV, which they're going to want term in return. And they've done that with a Braden Chen, eight years. He had a year left, so that's nine. Same with Colton Pareko. He gets an eight-year deal. He had a year left. That's nine. Falk and Krug came in, and they got, uh, what, seven-year deals. So he's been able to keep these guys together. But when it goes south like it is here, it looked just impossible to do any sort of retool at the time. It's wild. And it's something that's... You know, it's not going away. Like I, I think that's sort of the sort of the point in the season where we're at now. We're a week or two outside Thanksgiving. Like it's time to, you know, the the stratification process kind of kind of continues. Where where we're figuring out which teams are which teams are in sell mode, which teams aren't. Um, the other the other bit of news that happened over the last twenty four hours or so, Shane Wright being recalled by the Kraken. Uh, he's you know, obviously the fourth overall pick. In the draft this past summer, he's had a rough go of it. He's just coming back from a one-time AHL conditioning stint uh, where they kind of moved around the loophole to to get him five games, five games in the American League. He's going to play against Montreal on Tuesday night. This is still, you know, a, a little bit of an okie doke uh, for... I, 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 it seems like it, it would be foolish to expect Shane Wright to stick around all that long because Ron Francis has, has said as much. Dave Axel said as much. They're going to try to get him a game or two uh, because the Canada World Juniors camp, and this is crazy, it starts on December 9th. So you're looking at, at, a, at a potential scenario where Shane Wright, before he hits the 10-game threshold, you know, where his, where his entry-level deal starts, could bounce back down to the to the world junior team. I mean, like there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uncertainty there, and it just it's just a reminder. I think the Shane Wright saga has been. It seems like we get one of these every, every year or two. Where oh god, the 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 agreement between Hockey Canada and the American League and the NHL League, where you have these guys that fall between the cracks of this system where it's like maybe somebody is too good to head back to juniors but not good enough to play regularly in the, in the NHL, in the in the American League, you know, ceases to be an option for them just because they're, they're, they're not 20 years left. This is all just a reminder of how I, it's it's one of those things where I know you need it's it's about protecting the financial interests of junior teams and whatever and that's 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 really what it boils down to, but it is crazy to me that that is that this is still an issue that we're talking about after it's ha- it's happened every couple of years it seems like it's popped up right Jerry I, I don't know if I don't know if you've ever covered anybody who's who's kind of fallen into that into that trap 
in, in St. Louis, but it's, it's, it is kind of disappointing to see it happen again. here. Actually, I have a really good example. Uh, Robert Thomas, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago, it was 2018, 19 and, and he could not go to the American. Would you would, would you believe that I knew that that happened and was just trying <laughs> was just trying to tee you up for it? Tee me up, can yeah, I, yeah. I, I thought you were onto that, yeah. So Robert <laughs> Thomas, he can either play for the Blues that year, or he can uh, get sent back to junior. He could not play in the American Hockey League, and and what does he do? He uh, he goes and wins a Stanley Cup in his rookie year with the St. Louis Blues. <laughs> not only that, but he was a big part of it too on that third line with Tyler Bozak and, and Pat Maroon. So uh, this is an interesting situation. With Shane Wright and Sean, we can go back to being in Montreal for the draft. And I think I played mm-hmm. like a Shane Wright video about 10 minutes before the draft on the Jumbotron in Montreal. Uh, people in the stands were were clapping and applauding. And, and then uh, they went the other direction. And uh, disappointing for Shane Wright as he slipped to number four. You know, it's been a little bumpy ride early on for him. He gets in a few games and then all of a sudden they, they find the loophole with the conditioning assignment. He can go play some games in the American Hockey League. And he did. What did he have? Uh, four goals in the first three games and played pretty well. So now he comes up and look who he's playing. They're going against Mark Paul in his first game back. <laughs> you know, the one thing that I want to throw in this, and I haven't thought it out completely, but I'll just bounce it off you. Um, you know, will he stay the year with Seattle? You know, everybody focuses on the 10 games and that's what burns the first mm-hmm. year of that entry level. But the key thing is the 40 games. That's what gets him closer to seven years in unrestricted free agency. So what about if he goes to, you know, world juniors and obviously misses a lot of NHL games plays well, and then you bring him back to the NHL and then maybe he doesn't get to that 40 games. That seems like the most logical outcome here. Right. And it all the better if they can, who knows, maybe they get him, you know, they get him to December 9th. He plays one more game that will put him at eight on the season heads to Canadian camp that at least gets games under his belt because that's the issue with Shane, right? Because of pandemic stuff, because of opting out of the last of the last world juniors, like that kid hasn't played. And now because of the way his first NHL season's gone, where it's December 6th and we're talking about him getting into his eighth game, he hasn't played a lot of hockey and it needs to happen somewhere. And it seems like the Kraken have bridged that they like they're almost there. They've almost bridged that gap to getting him, you know, as high level competition as you're gonna see in terms of in terms of junior stuff for three weeks or 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 whatever it is. And then all of a sudden you're in January and you have the potential maybe for an easier if they if they want to get if they want to get him out of out of Kingston and 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 have him, you know, traded to another to another junior team on and on all these variables that we've heard about the Shane Wright situation over the last month. Like if they can, if they get him one more game and then maybe send him off to the training camp, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at him playing a bunch of games, you know, moving forward. And then certainly if nothing else, Jared, like you said, staying under that 40 game threshold, because yeah, it would, it wouldn't be ideal if he, if he plays 11 games and so then whatever that sucks for them. That's like worst case scenario. But if you're but if you can get him in 35 or 38 NHL games getting meaning getting meaningful minutes after, you know, playing in that that junior tournament, I think they'll have done well to salvage honestly it would seem like a pretty a pretty jacked up situation. But before we before we jump to John, I did wanted to point out something that Sean McIndoe wrote that ran on the site this morning if you're into more crack and coverage. I'm not going to go too far in it into every point but I do, I do agree with them. We are already at the point in the season, Jr., where we're getting Mia culpas from McIndoo, and I'm sure from me and, and from from all from all the guys in that class. Sean is already copping to have been, to having been wrong 
about the Seattle Kraken. Maybe not completely wrong because he's not totally sold on him yet, but that's an interesting team, and they've been they've been better than we thought. And part of the reason, part of the surprise, is that they've done it without getting anything from Shane Wright. If you'd have told people at the start of the season, what's the reason to be optimistic about the Seattle Kraken? You're saying, all right, they have some added juice at the top of the lineup with Beniers and Shane Wright. Certainly has been the case with Maddie Beniers. Not been the case with not been the case with Wright. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a it was a good look at McAndrew just kind of hitting reset on the on the Kraken season for you know, I, I think there's a lot of people who are who see them in the standings, they see that they got the six eighty eight points percentage, that they're fifteen, six and three, second in the Pacific, all that. But I don't think they quite know how they got there. And I think and I think McAndrew did a good job of kind of teeing teeing all that up. Yeah, and, and- I agree with you about that uh, in terms of if they're going to do something, Wright's got to be a part of that. But I think, you know, for him to come in and and, and play real well was going to be a, a tough ask, you know, especially on a team like that, right? So so I think if they were going to take off, you know, the rest of that team, the veterans, some of those guys just had to play better or else it wasn't going to happen regardless of how Wright played. I think people have kind of internalized the idea that Martin Jones is is played well and I don't know that that's necessarily true. He hasn't he hasn't played terribly. And obviously they're they're winning games so credit to him, but if this is going to stick, they're going to need some some extra you know, they're they're going to need him to play the way it looked like he was playing early in the season even even before that, you know, eight goal meltdown against the Kings or whatever. And and one 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 more point. Uh Bruins 14 game home streak Home, home winning streak ended yesterday. Vegas Bruce Cassidy snapped that in uh, in in the first night. Jr, what's the longest win streak that you've ever covered? Oh, the Blues. Do you have it off the top? Yeah, ten or eleven games, I believe. Yeah. With uh, does it get does it get boring writing about that many wins <laughs> in a row? Like, what do you say about what do you say about win number ten? Yeah, you kind of get to a point. You know what I think I did, and this is a luxury we have at the uh, Athletic. I don't think that I wrote about every single win, but uh, after they won the ten or eleven in a row, you just kind of take one highlight from each game. This is why they, <laughs> this is why they won ten or eleven in a row. Uh, this was what happened. So, uh, but this year, and not just with the Blues, Sean, but you look around the league and shoot, you could be writing about a ten game winning streak. You know one two-week period and then you're writing about an eight-game losing streak you know the next stretch it is it, it is wild it's like there's parity overall if you look at you know there's there's so many teams that are grouped between like the six and 23 or whatever but it's not like the way they've achieved that is not through you know win a game lose a game it feels like it feels like every team is just is on the roller coaster and just kind of just kind of meeting meeting in the middle there yeah. And not just one team. Like I said, there's been two or three. You look at Pittsburgh. And then also within those games, giving up three goal leads, two goal leads, back and forth. Look at that, uh, what, Vancouver the other night? Vancouver, Montreal last night. Uh, mm-hmm. What was it? Uh, four to nothing at one point. But then Vancouver's trailing later in the game and then has to come back and, and win that one. Just the leads, uh, you know, are blowing me away the way that, that things are fluctuating so much in game. Just add it to the list of wild, wild occurrences in in Vancouver this season. We've got, we've got you covered there. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna step on Dran- Tom Drance's toes because God God knows he's he's probably writing something right now about the latest about the latest latest batch of drama there. Also dramatic, St. Louis Blues. John Ham knows it. He's here to talk to us about it. Let's throw throw it to his talk with us next. He was great. Big big get. 
for the athletic hockey show, I think it's safe to say that this is the this is the biggest guest we have had or will ever have. I don't know if Bill Daly really counts on, on the same level. John Hamm is our <laughs> guest today. John, how you doing? Hello. Good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for doing this. What is okay? So is that the that's an Ivan Barbashev St. Patrick's uh, jersey? jersey, St. Patrick's warm up. Got to bring it, my boy, my boy, forty nine. <laughs> <laughs> Jr. Um, told me he, Barbie is Barbie's your guy. He's he's your he's your he's your boy in the blues. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I you know I got a lot, I got a lot of guys I know on the on the team, um, varying degrees of friendship. Um, but for whatever reason, I, since I've sort of making trips up to the booth, uh, almost every time I've been in there, Barbie's done something great. So uh, <laughs> the, the last one, most recently, was in Vegas, and uh, it went down afterwards. He, he didn't score while I was in the booth. In fact, we gave up a goal. <laughs> I was in the booth, but afterwards we scored twice, um, and I happened to be wearing his jersey and uh, O'Reilly's jersey, both of whom scored. I had a little layering going going on, but That's um, great. they, um, yeah, it was really funny. And then after the after the game, uh, came down to the locker room, said hi to some of the boys, and Barbie comes up and goes, "Come on, you have to come to Colorado." <laughs> that was their next game, which they won, and then they went on like a seven game win streak, and now they're kind of uh, sputtering again. So it's it's a confounding season for sure. All right, so I was I was looking, I, I and a lot of other people were looking for an explanation for the twenty six goal season of Barbashev last year. It was because it was because you were dropping in on the booth and he was he was scoring goals while while you were doing games. That makes sense. It, it's you know, all coming together. He was he was one of what do we have eight or nine twenty uh-huh. goal scores last year. I mean, it's that was the that was the secret sauce was that depth. They could just roll those lines out and and get production out of them. And and you know for whatever reason that's that's really not happening this year. And um, you know, it's the same players there. It's for the most part, there's a couple glaring, uh, glaring absences, uh, uh, 57 and 70, I can point to specifically, but you know, it's, you, you hope guys come in and, and, you know, for a while, uh, Chari was, was, was taking up that, that slack, but it, there's something that's not set setting in the, in the jello mold of, of the team, but they got to figure it out, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. And John, I know that you're a proud subscriber of the Athletic. You showed me the app uh, one time on your phone. I got to ask you: Is the coverage soft, too hard? You're a big fan. You know how the coverage is. Uh, what do I got to do here? <laughs> I don't think you have to do anything. Uh, I think it's <laughs> it's actually it's great, especially for hockey fans because there's there's actual coverage. I mean, it's you know, hockey's sort of the the sport that ESPN forgot about at some mm-hmm. point. So it's it's a nice kind of. Uh, place to go get your your daily uh news and then that's that's why i subscribe to it you know it's a uh, it's nice to read and i i'm, I'm pretty i'm a pretty uh, big fan of of the game in general i, I watch other teams I've, I've been up in calgary um been up in calgary shooting uh the new season of fargo and i've been able to watch a lot of um, obviously it's a little wide more widely covered in canada than it is in the states but uh, it's been it's been really fun to to watch other teams and, and watch nightly highlights too and it's been an interesting season. Like uh, it's been a streaky season, I think, for a lot of teams. And I think uh, we're we're about a quarter of the way through the season. And I don't think there's anybody that's really taken anything uh, by the horns and 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 established any dominance. I mean, obviously, Jersey's had that crazy run, but it's again, it's just kind of streaky. I feel like they're going to come back to a uh, regress to the mean, as it as it were. But um, I don't know. You know, it's uh, it's it's a difficult. Uh, it's hard to watch the uh, the blues these days. It's it's you're just they feel like they're it's like an engine that's not hitting on all cylinders. So 
Um, yeah, I think that they'll they'll figure it out. You know, I think that Chief and the coaching staff have a, have a good system that some for some reason that that, that it doesn't feel like they're they're playing into. Um, and I think that that's just uh, it's not a systemic issue. I think it's just some something's not. Mm-hmm. you know fully baked yet and i think that once that happens once that once the locker room uh, kind of gets gets uh solidified and congealed a little better then i think that they'll really start playing because they got talent up and down that lineup you know right. you see what buchnevich has done and kairu has done and and you know i think once bennington settles settles into his his role as well i think it's really going to be uh, i think this team could 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 scare a lot of people not for nothing they, they were the only team in the playoffs last year that played colorado to to an even uh basically that that series could have gone either way yeah. if uh if Kadri doesn't uh run bennington i think that that's a different uh, result but you know we'll we'll see i think we'll see that's the fun of of watching hockey it's it's any the the, the parody in the league at this point is is really really cool i was listening to a uh, a conversation with with Wayne Gretzky talking about you know the teams in the seventies and eighties and nineties and you know there was such a disparity in those days between the, the haves and the have nots and and now it's it's really anybody's ga- anybody's game on any given night so that's why I tune in. Have you made it to any games actually in the Saddle Dome yet? Like did you? No, yeah, have you uh, I'm hoping in? to go. I know uh, I think Craig Conroy actually um, has some uh, maybe he's the GM or something, but yeah, he's the, uh, he's but, the uh, AGM I think yeah. Right. And, uh, Kelly Chase's, um, son is playing up in Canmore, which is right up the road, mm-hmm. about an hour up into the mountains. And, uh, so he's around a little bit. So hopefully I'll get to go to a game or two. Uh, I understand it's a pretty fun arena and they have a pretty good team. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I really enjoy going to hockey games in Canada. It's, it's a whole other experience. That's my favorite rink up there is that, uh, Saddle Dome. Yeah. The old Olympic, uh, they built it for the Olympics, right? Yeah, it's one yeah. of the only. And, uh, it's one of the only old ones that's left. Like, like yeah, most of them, yeah, most, sure. most of them have been phased out. We got to get like the rev- your your review whenever you do make it to a game. You got to go up to like oh, I'll the, definitely go the gondola press box. <laughs> it's like the hanging press box of death. It's scary, scary it, as hell, John. It, don't it scares, do it. The, don't shit, do it. scares <laughs> the shit out of every out of every writer. It's like it's like well, a hockey. I'm bummed I'm missing because the Blues are going to be there in uh, in late December, and I'm going to miss the game because I'll be I'll be uh, down here at home. So. Unfortunately, I'm that's I'm off. So, <laughs> yeah, when I heard you were up in Calgary, I thought you might make that Kachuk return back to Calgary <laughs> last week. That yeah, that would have been a fun one too. Yeah, can you just I, like can you just tell us what's going on with season five of Fargo? Can you like spill? Can you like spill the entire the entire? The entire I can't spill place? any beans. I can't spill any beans. But it's been <laughs> it's been really fun to work on so far, and it's it's a it's a great show. I've been a fan since the, yeah. since the first season. So when they asked me to be a part of it, I immediately said yes. We 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 were talking off mic about about Conf- confess Fletch. Um, I watched it when it hit streaming. I did not did not catch it in theaters, unfortunately. Um, can you guys just do one of those every like year and a half forever? Is that possible for like you and Greg? I, I think that's to, to well. Just... That's the hope. You know, it's funny. And here in my office, I've got all the all the Fletch novels sitting on my on my bookshelf, and um, we're hoping to make our way through them. You know, they they did um, the original novel of of, of uh, Fletch was right. was based on the first book, and then they confessed Fletch was actually the second book I think in the series. 
Uh, and so there's, there's quite a few other stories and it's, you know, Gregory McDonald was an amazing author. He wrote these yeah. incredibly funny and fun, compelling whodunits with, with a great character at the center of it that obviously Chevy made famous in the eighties. And we kind of took our own spin on it, but, uh, yeah, Greg Matola and I, who Greg directed the, uh, co-wrote and directed the first, uh, version of it, uh, confess Fletch. He's, he's hard at work on, on the next one. And, We've got some good ideas for it, so uh, hopefully we'll we'll get a chance to do that later in uh, 2023 for 2024 release, maybe. Um, and yeah, I, I hope to keep playing playing the part. It's a really fun part to play, and gives us a lot of fun opportunities to to play with casting. And you know, John Slattery uh, got to got to be in the next. He'll be in the next one, hopefully. So we'll get to work together again, and you know, it's just good stuff. I somehow missed that Kyle McLaughlin was involved at all. So when he when he popped when he popped up, I was like, "This is this is perfect." All right. Yeah, we had a we had a blast. You know, Kyle's so great. Marsha Gay Harden is so great. Yeah. We we had just we had a really cool cool group, and we got to shoot in Boston, and we got to shoot in Italy, and yeah, so hopefully we're we're going to get get a chance to to get the team back together and, and do it again. Hey, John, for us not in the film and tv production world we hear about the long hours with shooting and obviously you go up to calgary and you're busy how do you make time is it a balance you know to, to know the blue schedule and keep an eye on them and, and watch as much as you can it's the you know the the, the great thing about having you know a, a giant supercomputer in your pocket at all times mm -hmm. is that you're never too far away from either an audio or a visual feed um there's some issues with with geo locking sometimes in canada that some of the apps don't work the right way but um but usually it's pretty, it's nice. It's also great to hear the home broadcast. You know, I love listening to, to Curbs and uh, Joey on, on the radio. Um, Cause that's, that's the broadcast I'll generally find if I can't get a, a video feed and, and JK and Panger are always great to hear too. So it's, it's, it's nice, especially when you are on location and it is as it was this past week, about minus seven degrees up there uh, <laughs> going maybe uh, minus double digits with a wind chill. So uh, and work until three, four in the morning. So it's nice to be able to go back to your trailer and, and hear a, a comforting voice and get warm. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's better when they win, but even so it's, it's, uh, it's fun to, to, you know, that's what being a fan is, you know, is, is being, being aware of that and, and, and dialing in. We, I got home yesterday and, and my girlfriend and her sister who I've turned on to becoming blues fans they they became fans in the 2019 season so they're only used to winning oh man they're um, spoiled what <laughs> but, is this uh, <laughs> yeah uh, but we we all sat and watched the game last night so it, you know it's it's fun it's a fun it's a fun thing to do i that's what i remember about being when i lived in st louis we'd go to you know some some bar in in clayton or brentwood or mm -hmm. somewhere and and with friends and watch the game eat wings and eat pizza and watch the game whether it was ob's or uh, you know, fill in the blank. Ob Clark's shout out. Hey, what was colder, uh, Calgary or I saw you at the Winter Classic in Minnesota? It was minus nine there, John. That was nuts. That was that was <laughs> painful. That was painful cold. Uh, you know, and and I was dressed for it. I had a you know a big old goose down parka on. The whole deal that was that was ridiculous. I walked outside and took a breath and went like, nope, I'm, I'm going back in. It was people had icicles <laughs> on their on their eyebrows and eyelashes and. Yeah, I don't know how those dudes played in that, but uh, that was a fun game. It was it was a really fun experience too, and, and the people of Minnesota were were hyped up and excited and friendly. Minnesota nice, as as you know, but it was also good to get that win. Well, how long are you in Calgary? Is it till till the end of the month? 
Uh, no, I'm, I'm actually back here uh, working on another project in LA oh. until the end of the month and through the holidays. And then I go back to Calgary for January through the end of March, oh. early April, I think. <laughs> Does it ever yeah. stop? Everyone loves, everyone loves Calgary good, good in times. Calgary in February. It's once wonder, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's there's not a lot to, uh, to, to block the wind. That's for sure. But they keep telling me about these these Chinooks that come the through. That. Oh, that, they're, they're the only for the Chinook, and that's that's really yeah. nice. That really warms it up. I'm like, what to, to zero? What happens before and after the Chinook? <laughs> the first, exactly. the, the first time I went to Calgary, I, I got off like I, I got directly off the plane, like went down the stairs on onto a tarmac, <clears throat> and I, I I actually I think I might have cried. Like I I it felt like it was in February or whatever, and I was like, this is not. I'm, I'm from Pittsburgh, guys. So I, I thought I could handle cold. No, it's not. It's it's not the yeah, same. It's a different. <laughs> it's a different kind of kind of thing. It's I, I felt the same way. I mean, I was like, it, it's like, uh, it just goes right through you. It's just cold, yeah, cold. <laughs> and then it'll snow all of a sudden. You're like, there's a foot of snow. Like, whoa, what, what, okay. when, when did that happen? All right. <laughs> hey, speaking of keeping warm, you might wonder what the hell is he wearing here. I, I got my uh, Lutheran South letter jacket for you. I know you went to John Burroughs. We're in the same league, ABC, the ABC league. I got my, uh, yeah, I got my, if you can see it here, I got my uh, 99 jersey. And it's a little, little, okay, it's way tight. tight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if it still fits, it still fits. I, yeah, you know, you I, your, I told you, uh, don't make me go go break out my uh, <laughs> my Burroughs gear. I, I, I still have it in there somewhere. And you played football too, right? So I played end. I sat at the end of the bench and guard. I guarded the water. So, but you're <laughs> just a, you're just only a couple years older than me. You're glad you didn't play me. Yeah, yeah I played. I played. <laughs> we, you know, the ABC league was was fun. We were really good. It was always us in Cadasco, and 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 you guys had a couple good years in there. Priory had a couple good years, but yeah, no, it was a it was a very competitive, very fun league, and we always we played the same guys for the whole, you know, all the way up from C team to B team to then varsity, and it was, you know, you got to get some good rivalries going there, and it was always fun. So uh, yeah, yeah, I, I've, I look back on my time as a as a football player with two with two remembrances, one of fond remembrance, obviously of, of of fun and and com- competition, all that stuff, but also just incredible gratitude that I never got injured because uh, that was, you know, if we look back now on on all the all the stuff in football, and you just think, I dodged a bullet. You played uh, you played baseball in high school too, right? Yeah, football, baseball, and swimming were my three varsity sports. Nice. Oh, Michael Phelps here. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fun, man. You know, and I look I go back to to Burroughs now and the. the facilities that they have are insane it's like a it's like a mid-major college at this point it's uh it's way nicer than than the stuff we had but uh but it's you know that's progress i guess it's uh it's it's a wonderful institution in many ways but it was their athletic program is is pretty great and it's it's also nice to see that they've you know put the money in and the support behind uh, not just football baseball the track team and the and the uh, you know field hockey team and the lacrosse team and all the other stuff that they've they've done they've given these kids a real leg up and a real opportunity to to do it. And you got you get kids like Zeke Elliott coming out of Burroughs and yep. uh, Vance Likes kid and you know there's there's plenty of uh, of opportunity. So that that's great. You know I, I I'm a very proud alumni uh, alumnus of uh, of uh, Burroughs. Good yeah, spot. and Sean, just to give you some context here, Burroughs is the best s- school. They've got all the great facilities, some really smart 
people that come out of there. But going to Lutheran South, not necessarily a rival, but like I said, in the same league. John, one time it was Burroughs and South and varsity basketball at Lutheran South. And uh, with a couple minutes to go, Lutheran South win. And, and instead of the start your bus chant so you guys could leave, I started chanting with the rest of the crowd, start your beamers, start your beamers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were we were the rich kids for sure. <laughs> I, I went to the, the that sounds like I went to the Pittsburgh version of Burroughs. Yeah, I, I heard. Oh, that man, look at you. I, heard that one. I, I rode I, I rode a public bus to school. Did not, did, did not have a yeah, I was from the wrong side of the tracks, too. Don't get me wrong. I was. <laughs> It's called like scholarship kids or whatever. Yeah, it's fine. I did not have a BMW. <laughs> I had a 1981 Toyota Tercel five speed three door. So that should give you some idea. Yeah, I had the 58U from Greenfield to Oakland. That was my that was my motto. That was my motto competition. Um, <laughs> so I feel like it's it's like it's an over asked question at this point. Like just seeing, but seeing you do more comedy. I mean, this is I feel like Fletch in particular. Like, is this? It's a long. I feel like it's a long time coming. The last the last few years, right? With, with the just see, seeing you seeing you be funny on like all the way in full on comedy, yeah. funny funny movies, rather than just it's, you know going on like going on is, comedy bang, bang going is, like comedy bang yeah. bang or or, or yeah. whatever. Like it's, it's, it's nice it's to be the lead, to be the lead in, in something. I've I've done my fair share of stuff, and whether it's bridesmaids or Thirty Rock or SNL or what have you. But it's nice to be the the lead and and to actually have some kind of creative input on the stuff that we're doing. And, and that was, that was the really exciting opportunity that Fletch uh, was able to, to give me, which was really um, to kind of put my own stamp on this character that obviously people know and love and, and, and have the Chevy version is, is a, is a seminal part of, of a lot of, uh, you know, males our age uh, <laughs> kind of growing up, you know, there's, I, I don't know a lot of friends of mine that I grew up with that can't pretty much quote that movie from head to toe. <laughs> Uh, but we wanted to bring it to a new generation and doing that means that, you you know, we, if, if it was just doing a Chevy impression, then it wouldn't be a really fun experience. It's, it's the idea was to, to really make it your own. And, and I was a big fan of, of the books and Greg Matola, who like I mentioned had directed the film was, was as well. And we were just like, why don't we just, let me just do what they do in the books. And, um, and it, and it was it, it ended up being a really fun you know kind of whodunit. That's like for whatever reason I think with with streaming and Netflix and all this stuff people are people are kind of drawn to these uh, fun mysteries you know whether really? it's Glass Onion or or Knives Out whatever what have you I think that those those movies really have a a resonance and uh, and that's telling those stories is fun. There's a reason that people like whodunits and, and you even see it in like the death on the Nile and the, 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 the Kenneth Branagh ones that they're doing, which is its own kind of thing, but it's also fun. Like I'd be one of those movies that that looks like a blast, you know? So, and in fact, Tina Fey, uh, my, my old pal from 30 mm -hmm. Rock is, uh, is doing the next Kenneth Branagh one, which is like death in the Egypt. I don't know what it is. <laughs> you gotta get, get, get involved with, yeah, get involved with that one too. Like, like whatever those casts are, yeah, those, no, those casts are gigantic. There's gonna be, there's gonna be like 40, exactly. 40 Plenty of room people. for an American. <laughs> you can make it happen. Hey John, I want hit you with a couple quick things before we let you go here. Uh, first thing, Jordan Bennington, we had a laugh when you were in Vegas and you read the lineup. First of all, let me ask you, what was that like reading that blues lineup that day? Oh, I was, it was so cool. It was really kind of of the team to ask me to do that and and the fact that i happen to be there i think the team got a kick out of it and, um it's a it's a really cool 
experience. You know, you 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 don't realize that getting ready for a competition at that level is is pretty serious. You know, obviously these guys, it's their livelihood, and so they take it seriously. They're not, they're not jacking around, and 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 they're they're getting ready to you know make money, hopefully. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, and, and it was, it was fun to inject a little levity. And, and again, like I said, I've, I've known Jordan since he busted onto the scene and we celebrated the cup run together and O'Reilly the same way, Shenner, uh, Colton Pareko, a lot of those guys from that team, I, I, I know pretty well. And I got gotten to know some of the new guys as well. And it's, 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 it was really fun. It was a fun, uh, um, thing to be able to hang out after, after the game as well, especially cause they won and they were coming off that terrible skid and, so it just felt really fun and it was a nice it was a nice thing for the team to do you know obviously you don't you don't want to bring you know an outsider into that that sort of sacred space really too often but but it was very cool and and you know I I love Binner he's a he is a winner and he 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 knows and he's a he's a fiery competitor as we saw last night Yeah dad um, did you did you did you watch that were you watching last night <laughs> I didn't see it Finn live. Before. I, I was, I was, I was, I, I was actually uh, putting the lights on the Christmas tree while it was <laughs> happening. But I, I went back and I rewound it. I was thinking, oh, buddy, he just gets fired <laughs> up, man. You know, and and it's and it's he's it, Panger and JK were talking about it at uh, at the break, and, and Bernie was too. And I think that you know, it's so frustrating when the team's not playing well in front of you. And and as a goalie, there's only so much you can do. And you know, he he gets he's an emotional guy, and he plays with his emotions, and and that's. That can go both ways, obviously. And you know, when when he's on, he's he's unbeatable, and 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 it's we, we saw that. You know, we saw that in that nineteen game stretch they had in in January of twenty nineteen, and then the, in the in the cup run. You know, it's it's a it's an impressive. He's an impressive guy, and it's he. But he plays with the emotion, and sometimes that can come back and bite him. And and I think that that frustration just finally boiled over. And you know, okay, it's one game. You know, he'll be back. He'll be fine. Yeah. Well, we got a quick clip for you. After uh, you read the lineup and mentioned Benner's name as a starting goaltender, you go for the dab, and he missed it. And after the game, you mentioned they did beat Vegas, but he said in an interview with Darren Pang that he had to face some adversity after missing the dab with you. Let's listen to that clip real quick. One last one for you because we had John Hamm in the booth. How about him going, JB, you're in the net? Yeah, it's pretty special. He's a, he's a cool dude. I, I messed up the dab uh, after, but... Uh, you know, I had to regroup after that going to the game. So, you know, talk about some adversity. Uh, but he's just, yeah, great to see him. Just such good energy to be around. And, um, you know, I'm happy we got a win. <laughs> what do you think about that? That's funny. Um, that's hilarious <laughs> that obviously that, that, that uh, maybe, hey, maybe that inspired him. Talk about playing on emotion. Maybe that gave him the emotion to, to get out there and shut the door. Uh, you know, that it's, they're all great guys. It's, it's so nice. I saw Rai after the game and, and we walked back, walked back to the hotel with those guys, and and then uh, Otter and uh, and and Binner and and some of the guys came out, and you know it's Vegas. We all went out and had a good time. It was really fun. So um, it's just it's hard to see this the team scuffling like that. And you know it's it's a uh, you you know that they'll get they'll get back right because you know that they're they're that good. And I was texting Kairu uh, during their recent uh, you know. Uh, seven game streak. And I was like, it's good to see you skating with some swagger again, because it, it really is. It's night and day when those guys, when those guys are feeling it, you just saw it, you know, they, they, yeah. they lost eight in a row with some funky bounces and some weird play. And then they go on a seven game tear, you know, and it's kind of like, all right, keep playing like that. Don't play like the other way. <laughs> Wait, so you, okay. So you, you announced the, the blues lineup. That's like the latest chapter. 
in your work as <laughs> an announcer. I remember this, this must have been the 2014 All-Star game. This is like probably when Million Dollar Arm came out. You did baseball tonight in your home run oh, call. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was, uh, that was, that was pretty terrifying. I got to say that was, uh, I, that was at PNC park. It was, uh-huh. which, by the way, it's a beautiful ballpark. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I, I, I helped build it. I was personally responsible for it. For uh, it's cool. It's really great. And I got to say Pittsburgh fans, super cool. Um, they're, but, yeah. Um, they're okay. They're fine. I, uh, I had to do the, like calling the, the highlights. That is hard. That's hard work. I did not realize how difficult that is. And you, you, Immediately you think, oh my God, am I going to be the boom goes the dynamite kid? Uh, is that going to be what I sound like? And it, it's, it's easy to sound like that. It really is to, to really get uh, tangled up. Uh, and the way the guys do it, they make it look easy and it's not. We, we've ported, we ported your, the signature home run call, the bye. We, bye. <laughs> but I, I say that like when we, when we, when, we play, way, when I, we're I, playing I, golf. It was Barry dude. Larkin. Barry Larkin was not, not, not big. I was like, no, geez. All right. He no sold you. <laughs> Barry Larkin. Yeah, really. I was like, come on, Lark. Jeez. No, no I, I, I say that when I'm like at the driving range or whatever, if I, yeah. if, if I connect with one. So. <laughs> it, 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 re- it resonated with me personally. So thank you. Thank God you. Bless you. Thank That's you on behalf of me and my friends. Pulling out an old chestnut. <laughs> hey, John, we can't let you go without asking about this. A lot of uh, news about Ottawa and Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Hollywood heartthrob throb could be an uh, owner in the NHL. What are your thoughts about that? Think it's possible? I know Ryan a little bit. Um, he's He's got his fingers in a lot of pies. Uh, good, good for him. You know, like he, I think he owns a cell phone company and a soccer team. And like, why not? I, I don't see why not. You know, uh, I, I certainly, if I've had Ryan Reynolds money, I would, uh, I would look into it as well. Um, but he got famous on network TV and then movies and I got famous on basic cable. So it's, uh, there's a little bit of a, diff- a disparity between the, uh, the incomes, but um, no, God bless him. I, I think that's great. He's obviously a fan. And I think he's, Vancouver guy, pretty sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, I I would. Uh, that's owning a sports franchise has got to be one of the coolest experiences out there. Knowing the guys that I know that own them, they all seem to like it. So good for him. That was like exactly what Rob McElhenney said in the first episode of that show when they bought the when when they bought Rexham. He was like, "I have I have TV money. I needed I needed superhero <laughs> money. I needed cell phone company money." So I called exactly. It, I well, I, yeah, I haven't seen that show yet, but I I've seen some clips. It looks pretty cool. It's 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 good. It's a it's a it's yeah. a quick one too. It's I mean, engaging. Yeah. It, to- it totally is. There's like there's like ten episodes or twelve episodes, but like you you can skate through it. It's a it's it's a lot of fun. And again, and again, that'll, it'll help you prepare for whenever you are involved with the Blues and ownership group in, buying, in, in, in yeah. 15 or 20 years. <laughs> Getting Tom Stillman's group. Exactly. Well, someday. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot, John. Yeah, thanks for the time, man. Boys, thank you. Thanks for talking with me. Um, I appreciate it. And uh, let's go Blues. JR, my only goal going into that interview was to get him to do the baseball tonight. <laughs> Bye, home run call. That was it. Yeah, I didn't really care about it. anything else. It's mission, mission, mission accomplished. Yeah, you impressed me with that. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I, I like movies. I like TV. I try to catch it in my free time. I do watch some John Hamm. I watch Mad Men during the pandemic. Uh, it was great. Mm-hmm. But I'm really bad, Sean, at memorizing lines or being able to apply them in everyday life. And you're so good at it. So you nailed it there. <laughs> Whatever. I'm bad at talking about hockey and I'm bad at talking about the St. Louis Blues. You, you, you bailed my ass out there. Thanks, buddy. Oh, and how about the, uh, how about when I said, Hey, John, I'm wearing this uh, Lutheran South 
uh, varsity coat and I got uh-huh. the, the jersey on, little tight. And he goes, yeah, a little tight, a little tight. <laughs> I mean, he was, I mean, you know, he, he wasn't going to completely sell you out. It fit well, by the way. It, was, it truly was a little tight. It wasn't, it wasn't extremely tight. Well, the funny part is a couple years ago, I saw it in my closet. So I figured I'd try it on and I put it on and I go, hey, this isn't bad. It fits. And then I thought to myself, oh yeah, we wore shoulder pads underneath this. <laughs> <laughs> Dagger. It's fine. Broad, broad shouldered fellow. Now that was, that was, that was awesome, man. So much fun. Thank you for, thank you for the hookup. Oh, nothing. That's it. Let's see what Max Boltman can come through with next week. Yeah. The pressure's on Max. Maybe a little Bob's. Probably nothing good. (laughs) (laughs) Producer Jeff asked me to try to get Michael Keaton for next week. If we're going with co-host, co-host civic icon actors, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I can make that happen. Michael stopped. Uh, he stopped taking my calls shortly. Shortly after the release of Birdman, unfortunately, <laughs> we're tight. We're tight before that, though. Uh, got one more segment. It's not quite the the only good segment on the show, but it's close enough. Stay tuned. This usually is the only good segment on the show. That is not true this week. Thanks to John Hamm, and thanks to that wonderful run of hockey talk we had. In segment one. So we're going to stay out of the comments this week. Come back strong. We miss you guys. Answer the troll as riddles. Drop drop comments in the athletic app. We love you so very much. It's probably time to talk about the Rangers. I know we kind of, JR, dipped, at, dipped into that uh, in the first segment because they're least top of mind for you because, because of what you watched last night. Um. That is a team that is having, if you would have asked someone like me, say, at the start of the season, because I'm, I'm, on, I'm on record as, th- as saying this, thank God, I was right for once in my life. This is what worst case scenario looks like for them, because it is the kind of season they had last year in a lot of ways without, without Igor Shesterkin, uh wallpapering over over all their issues. You know, there's some, some problems with the younger guys. There's also, it's just up and down, hot and cold. They don't have the five on five game to kind of carry them whenever, whenever stuff starts to go south. And Chesterkin's at nine ten on the season. You know, I think that's sort of, you know, it's wild how that sneaks up on people. And it's, it's a testament, I think, to how volatile goalie play can be too, because we all kind of internalized it after the last season or two that, Igor Shosturkin was kind of in the in the group of set it and forget it goaltenders where you're like, all right, we can count on this guy to be ultra elite, like no questions asked each season, right? There's not many of those guys. There's very, very few. And uh, what we've seen from him so far, again, 9-10 save percentage. He's, you know, creeping back up and goals saved above expected. That's the one reason to think that maybe there's reason, you know, for optimism for them is that is it Shosturkin can just kind of snap back into brick wall mode and carry them, carry them as far as he did last season. But man, it's, uh, it's, it's touch and go with the Rangers right now. I know people are starting to wonder about Gerard Gallant's future there. You got the James Dolan, you know, variable. That's the big thing, right? JR? We've, we saw it from him a couple years ago where, there was a plan in place and he decided that he wasn't down with it. And then before you know it, out goes Jeff Gordon and in comes and in comes the tough guys and 
whatever. I, I is there is there any analog that you've been around there when wherever you, you know, he's a he's a good he's a good coach who seems well respected. And if you'd have said at the start of the season that you know it was going to be December six and there was going to start to be whispers over how long how long for the job he was, have you been around someone where the where the worm has turned that quickly on them? Yeah, first of all, I got to own up here. Uh, you were saying you were right about uh, this one. I was absolutely wrong. I had the Rangers, I think, in the Eastern Conference Final, and I had. Just- I honestly, that's. I sound like such an asshole when I said that too. I wasn't trying. I wasn't trying to set myself up to. Oh, no, it's fine. To, like you said, to, you're ga- not right to gas myself often. up there. <laughs> no. It was blind. It was. It was the. It was a classic blind squirrel finds an acorn situation where I was like, I don't know about the Rangers. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. And, well, and, it, and it, it just. Whatever the opposite of the blind squirrel is, is what I was because I had Chesterkin. and I think I had him as my uh, Vesna finalist. Fortunately, when we do those uh, polls for the athletic, they're anonymous. But I guess I'm our names not attached to them. Here and put guess who I guess who I guess who I picked when the Vesna. Just guess. Uh, Jordan Bennington. <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. No, <laughs> it's uh, Jacob Markstrom. Markstrom. Actually, maybe 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 worse than than Jordan Bennington. I but that's just between you and me and yeah, whoever's listening to this. Because like I said, our name, like you said, our name's not our name's not attached to that stuff. It's interesting that you bring up Markstrom's name because when we were talking about Shasurkin, I'm thinking, are those the two goalies who have come out this year and mm-hmm. said, "I'm awful, I'm embarrassed." You know, I'm ashamed. Yes. I think it feels like there's been a few of them this year, but definitely Markstrom and Markstrom Markstrom dropped that last week where he was like, I'm I'm playing I'm playing like playing like shit is what he said. One one of those guys actually used actually used the phrase, if if not both of them. And we've seen that from Shisterk and we've seen that from Markstrom. Those are two guys who are you know, we all know goalies are hard on themselves a lot of the time, but they're maybe uncommonly so. And those are guys like and this is sort of what I was rambling about at at the start of this, those are guys who if you would have said at the start of the season, like who are the five goalies you can count on moving forward, like to this year, like give us the get or whatever, give us your complete list of guys who you can say, you know, maybe not, maybe maybe write it in ink, maybe not that they're going to be good. And Markstrom and Chesterkin would have, I personally would have been on my list. Right. Like I'm like, okay, like who knows? There's not a lot of certainty. That's a this volatile position that exists in sports. Goaltending is voodoo. Blah blah blah. But those would have been guys who I was like, all right, I'm fine. I'm fine going into the season with with one of them is you know and saying that they're going to provide you know well above average goaltending. We haven't we haven't seen it, right? Yeah, and I'm surprised with what's going on with uh, the Rangers. The interesting part is, you know, as beat writers, we cover our team and we, we know how uh, teams like the Rangers do against your team that you cover. And I remember, uh, I think last year, year before, uh, Rangers real good game against the blues. And I said on press row, mm-hmm. I said, gosh, the Rangers look good. And everybody looked at me who covers the Rangers on a nightly basis and said, uh, yeah, that's not normal. What we saw <laughs> right there tonight. And so last night, similar situation, you know, Rangers come out against the blues, nine scoring chances, 12 shots on goal in the third period, come back and, and win that game. But you listen to the people, you know, like yourself, who've been probably watching a little more Ranger games than I have. And, and uh, you know, that uh, they haven't been as nearly as consistent as we saw them come out last night in that third period. Yeah, and that's what they're going to need from, from those guys moving forward. They're going to need Lafreniere to to produce consistently, and they're going to need some of those. I think Capocacco hit three posts in that game. Were you keeping Were you keeping track of that? It was it was some it was insane. Like they they need more from those guys. That's one of the other variables that you know we can track we can track with that team moving forward. Um, the other thing, this is Scotty Powers has <clears throat> a piece about this up on the site. 
we are already at the point in the in the season, probably past the point in the season where it's time to start thinking about what's next for Patrick Kane, the Blackhawks specifically. And we can't talk about a Patrick Kane trade without bringing up the Rangers. That's always, you know, for a lot of reasons, that's the team that he's most attached to. One of them being that, you know, Artemi Panarin, I think Laz called him, I think Mark Lazarus called them hockey soulmates last week, which is true. Yeah. Um, and the idea of them, you know, reuniting, that's always going to be, you know, kind of a, a frontline a front story. But just a quick recap here from, from what Scotty wrote this morning. Seems like Kane is, the thought is that Kane's more likely to, than Taves to move at this point. Seems like m- maybe Kane, especially over the last couple of weeks, is moving in that direction and that the Rangers, you know, still seem like a potential fit, even though, you know, even though they've had an up and down, an up and down run here from them. Man, I have, you watched a lot of Patrick Kane over the, over the course of, over the course of your career. You watch a lot of Patrick Kane and, Artemi Panarin. So I don't know what's the, what's the what's the view of a guy who, who's who's covered a Central Division team and seen more of that guy, you know, over the course of his career than than anybody. How much juice do you still have? I, I'm, let's let's focus in on that. What has he looked like to you over the last year or two versus the guy who we saw five or six or seven? Like how much how much gas does he have left in that tank? Yeah, first Sean, I want to give Blues fans a chance. If you guys could turn down the volume on <laughs> on, on your I can't, this can't be all about St. Louis. Come on. If Blues fans could turn down the volume just for a second, okay. You've done okay. You guys got enough. I like watching Patrick Kane play. I Whoa! <laughs> so, here, okay. Now we can tell him to turn the volume back up. Okay, turn it back up. Uh, <laughs> he's just, he's one of the most gifted players I've ever uh, watched play. And so obviously during the heyday, so much fun to watch. You know, what have we seen here lately? Listen, uh, I've seen the Blackhawks a few times this year. And you never want to say that Patrick Kane isn't uh, giving it his all and, and playing his heart. Mm-hmm. Because that's the type of guy he is. Uh, but I agree with what Mark and Scott have written. I've read it all. And, you know, it's a tough situation for Patrick Kane. And, uh, you know, that team's not going anywhere. And if the rebuild's going to take a few years, you know, what does it leave for him? So uh, we'll go back to these anonymous athletic polls. I uh, I, <laughs> I picked Buffalo, but this one, Buffalo was going really, really well. Uh, and all that cap space, I pictured Patrick uh-huh. on the Buffalo. Uh, but uh, the Rangers make sense. And, you know, you talk about soulmates. Uh, he definitely is with Panarin. He just seemed crushed when that move happened years ago uh, in Chicago. So uh, that'd be fun to watch. That was it. That was it, right? That was this. That was the beginning of the end for them. That was when it re- you realized that they were not, you know, for better or worse, that they were they were giving up on the idea of being a true like top end, top three, top five team for this for the foreseeable future. I voted. I voted for the Islanders, by the way, as the Kane destination. <laughs> I, I was like, okay, it's New York. Lou's gonna Lou's gonna find some way to get something done. Of course, if he ends up on the Rangers or ends up staying put, you know, I'm gonna disavow that choice and. Say that I picked whoever, whichever team he ended up on. Um, you know, it is funny too. I, I at the start of the season, everybody, it seemed like there was momentum saying like, no, don't, don't be surprised if Patrick Kane sticks around. You know, he loves, he loves playing in Chicago. The milestones are important to him. Being a Blackhawk for life is something that he's always kind of, you know, is always sort of angled towards. That's all well and good. And I, I don't mean to doubt the sincerity of that, right? Because that sort of stuff is important and it does mean something to people. But it's a lot different to say that at the start of the season with all the optimism that everybody always has in October. And it's a it's a wholly different thing for that to last until December or whenever you are the Chicago Blackhawks and you are losing games at the rate 
you were designed to lose them, right? Like they're like we're we're looking at a team now that's seven thirteen and four, three seventy five points percentage, one eight and one in their last in their last ten games. They're ahead of the Anaheim Ducks, who are one of the worst teams I've ever seen in my life, and the San Jose Sharks in the in the uh, in the Western Conference. That team is as bad as they're supposed to be, and the reality of that is something that you really can't discount setting in for guys like. Guys like Kane and Taves. It's easy to be psyched about about sticking around and saying that sort of stuff. But when you're losing, you know, nine out of ten, things are completely different, right? Well, to me, the biggest thing is, hey, even if they finish last in the league this year, which, you know, looks possible and, and do nothing this year, you know, if I'm Patrick Kane, that's not the what's making my decision on whether I want to stay or go. It's the next two to three years. Like, so do you want the last four to five years of your career to be just wilting away and, and not having any line mates and and things like that? Or do you want to be 55 years old and know for the last couple of years of your career, you went to the Rangers and played in the uh, Stanley Cup finals and, you know, put up points and played with uh, a guy that you really click with and, and had a great end to your career. So to me, it's more about the, the big picture of these last two or three or four years, however much he has left than it is uh, how this season goes. That was always the faulty assumption that the Blackhawks were going to come out of this quickly. Like it's not, it's not that easy. This is this is a team that was, you know, sold for parts over, over the last couple of years outside of outside of a few, right? So the assumption, you know, yeah, and if they end up finishing last and you know, draft Connor Bedard and then maybe Patrick Kane after getting traded comes back and does the thing that everybody always expects is going to happen and doesn't, which is a team getting traded and then a player getting traded and then returning. It's always like the pipe dream thing that everyone says is going to happen and it very rarely actually does except in the case, your friend and mine, David Perron. It always comes back to the St. Louis Blues, right? Is that the way it goes? Yeah, no, for definitely for him. Is he going to come back another time? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I might have told you this. Uh, you, just you, a quick... you, you, tell, you tell me. I don't know shit about that team. You're the guy. You were John. No, I do remember. Uh, I've told this one a couple of <laughs> times, but keep it short, is uh, when David Perron came into the St. Louis at age 19, I said, hey, one day I'm going to write a book about you. I don't know why I said that. And then now here we are 15, 16 years later, he's come back like 10 times. And uh, so now the book kind of <laughs> writes itself, but little did I know that's how it was going to play out. I want, I mean, he won the cup. He's, he's going to come back next year. I think, I think we've all kind of internalized that. It's an easy, it's an easy end. The book's got a, it's got a beginning, a middle and an end. Let's go. Let's make it happen. About all that, right? Uh, yeah, supposedly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thanks for the time, JR. Uh, You're the best. It was great. So how many people are going to uh, fast forward through uh, us talking and, and just get to the ham interview? You know what? I'm not going to give a number because I because because I try not to drop stuff like that. But I will say it's going to be high 90s in terms of percentage. <laughs> it's fair. Nobody wants to listen to our bullshit. Just go to just go to John Ham talking about, you know, hockey and, uh, and Fargo and, and whatever else. It was a blast. And I'm glad you were here for it. I'm glad you made it happen. Because God knows Craig wasn't going to be able to pull that off. I'll tell you that much. He doesn't oh, have that kind Craig of juice. Is he on vacation again? I don't know. I don't think who cares. <laughs> Next week, Max Boltman is in the co-host chair. Craig's out again. He's back on December 20th to do whatever whatever it is he does around here. Max, he's here next week. JR, again, thanks for thanks for that. Thanks for, you know, bringing some adult energy to the, to the podcast because I'm clearly a little kid left left alone at the controls and i needed a i needed a steady hand so thank you again rob pizzo joe smith and jesse granger are welcoming peter baugh on the round table this week it's always fun Pete, Pete's the funniest and don't forget to subscribe to the athletic hockey show on youtube 
youtube.com slash at sign not the words at sign but the actual symbol on your keyboard at sign the athletic hockey show you can follow us on your favorite podcast platform leave a rating and review and the offer is back annual subscriptions to the athletic they're just two dollars a month for a year what a great deal never see anything like that around here you can visit theathletic.com slash hockey show jump on that again max is here next week craig is back on december 20th this has been tuesday boys hashtag tuesday boys three z's bye bye <laughs>